As you know, this month's uh, sermon series is entitled uh, From Generation to Generation. Uh, I enjoyed Pastor Danny's message last week. It was entitled, Now is the Time. And um, he was talking to us about now is the time to do what God has taught us to do. Now is the time to do what God has called each and every one of us to do. It's, it's crucial that we accomplish all that God would have us to do. Um, Pastor Danny explained that teamwork um, is, is crucial in order to accomplish all that uh, God has called us to do as Christians. Teamwork is crucial uh, to accomplish all that God has called us to do as a church and as a fellowship, because you know that Norwalk doesn't stand alone. We're a fellowship of churches uh, literally throughout the world. And so uh, it, it, the teamwork is very, very important. God expects, expects all of us, both young and old, to, uh, to work together and to learn from one another and to uh, build what God would have us to build here in Norwalk and, again, to build uh, another nation's. I read this quote the other day. If you guys can put it up. It says, teamwork is essential. It allows you to blame someone else. <laughs> That's why I like teamwork. Um, but we understand that's really not how we should look at teamwork, but maybe some of you do and you need to knock it off. But nevertheless, uh, teamwork is essential and teamwork is very, very important. Tonight what I want to speak on is the responsibility of experienced leaders. The responsibility of experienced leaders. I got saved in 1975, that's uh, 44 years ago, and... Um, what happened a couple of weeks after I got saved, we got this band together, a Christian band, and uh, we were all new disciples. We were all saved within uh, weeks of each other. Pastor Art Valenzuela it wasn't a pastor. Pastor Richard Salazar wasn't a pastor. We were just young men going to the church and started a band, and, and um, I started, you know, we were on the platform, you know, within weeks. You know, the dynamics of a small church is a lot different than a larger church, you know, when you go out there and pioneer, and pioneering means you, they just drop you off in the city, sort of, and, and you just start knocking on doors, man, inviting people out to a Bible study and, and uh, to come to the church or whatever it is, and you, start, you literally start from scratch. And so um, when we got there, this church was literally started from scratch. There's nobody there. And so, you know, they put you to work right away. You, you come to work on Sunday, and by Wednesday, you're the head usher. You know, it's just, that's just, that's just the way a small church works, you know, and so, I, you know, I got saved, and, you know, three weeks later, I'm on the platform playing, you know, it's like, this is really cool, you know, and, and uh, of course, there's nobody out there, but you, you feel important, you know, it's good enough for me. But um, we had this band going, and probably a couple of years after, you know, we uh, got saved, and the church was growing, we are invited to go play at this church in Monterey Park. And so we got there. We're all, I think the oldest one in the band was probably 25, 26 years old, and, uh, which was probably Art, Pastor Art Valenzuela at the time. He was probably 26, and uh, I was probably, well, I wasn't the youngest one. The youngest one was probably about 18 years old. And there was probably about five or six of us, and, and um, we go to this church, walk in, we set up, and the people start coming in. And they start coming in very slowly, they're coming in very slowly because they're probably the average age was about 75. <laughs> Making their way in, they sat down, and, 
you have to remember, you know, we were a Christian rock band. You know, we were born listening, you know, we're, all of us grew up listening to the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and, you know, all of those guys. And then here we come, you know, these, these other people who grew up on, you know, I don't know. I was just Art Linkletter, but he wasn't a musician. But, but you know, they just, uh, you don't even know who Art Linkletter is, do you? But anyway, so we're up there playing, and these people are just staring at us. Probably about 10 of them, maybe 15 at the most, packed house that night. And uh, we're playing. You know, they clap after every song, you know, and then, you know, we get there and start playing again, and the guitar going to his lead, and Pastor Art and his saxophone going, you know, just, I mean, we're just, uh, just having a blast, and they're just staring at us, and we played and packed up, and that was that. But then what happened is a few months later, the pastor of that church called up our church. And he said, I'm closing the, the, the doors of this church. It's similar to the, the story Pastor Danny mentioned last week, what he experienced. Um, he said, We're, I'm shutting the doors down in this church. There's only a handful of us left. There's nobody to pass it on to. He said, the church is paid off. He said, I told everybody to go to another church. You guys just come and pick up the keys. The church is yours. That's it, I'm, just, I'm, I'm leaving. There's no bills, there's nothing. You can have the church. Well, we were so excited because we were meeting at a school at that time because we were growing so fast. We were going different places and wherever we could have church on Wednesday and Friday and twice on Sunday, that's what we were doing. And we, now we had a church building. I remember walking in, I mean, there was choir robes in the closets and the baptistry and, and, and pews. And uh, I mean, he, they just literally walked out and handed the keys. We walked in and everything was there. Tied envelopes, everything was there. And, and I remember this pastor was talking to us and he was saying um, that the church at one time was a thriving church. So there's about 70 people strong. They were young. They had a vision. They had a calling. And uh, that's, that's, that's what they did. And he said the church grew and it was very exciting. Um, but over the years, the people just grew old, and they really didn't work at evangelism and bringing in younger people. And what happened is after a, a matter of a time, there was nobody to carry on the vision. There was nobody left to carry on the calling that this church had. And I'm sure in that neighborhood, there was a calling, and there was a thriving church, and and now here it is many, many years later and there's nobody left. They never prepared anybody to carry on their vision. Never prepared anybody to carry on what God had called them to do. And so what ended up happening is one day they, the pastor just woke up, woke up, said, that's it. It's over with. And handed the keys to us. It was over with that church and that ministry was dead. The first thing I want to talk about tonight is passing the baton. Passing the baton. If we want our church and if we want, if you want your ministry to stand the test of time, then you have to be replaced. I understand just talking about this creates a lot of emotion, especially somebody my age I don't want to be replaced. You have to carry me out screaming and kicking. And it's even getting hard to do that nowadays. But 
if you don't eventually replace yourself, then the church and the ministry is going to fall apart. It's going to die. That, that's just the bottom line. And, and I've seen it with my own eyes. We saw it in that church that day. The church died, literally died in front of our eyes. And it was a sad thing to see. So we're talking about passing the baton. If you don't know what a passing the baton means in a relay race, it's four runners. And each of them has a specified distance that they have to run. And so they run and they run and they run and then they pass it on or they, they, they go and they have a baton in their hand. It's probably about a foot long stick. And they pass this baton to the next runner. And then that runner takes off and he runs. And he runs and he runs and he runs until he hits the third person. And then he passes that baton onto the third person. And that guy runs and runs and runs with that young lady. And they give that baton to the last person. And that person runs. And, and whoever comes in first wins the race. And that passing to that baton is crucial in that relay race. It's important. The first runner carries the baton. But after a specified distance, a specific distance, then the runner hands that baton to the next person. And that's crucial. Now, now this is important, what I'm going to say, and I really need you to listen to it. The exchange of that baton must happen in a specified zone. And I'm not sure, uh, you would know, but it's probably like from that door, I think to the other door, it's probably a little too long maybe, or maybe about that distance, but as they begin to run, this, the second runner's running, the first runner's coming behind him, and he's passing that baton. They have a certain zone that they have to pass that baton in. They have to get it done within that specified zone. If it's not done in that zone, they're disqualified. If they drop the baton, then of course they're going to lose because now they have to take time to pick up that baton. But, but the timing is crucial. The passing of that baton, the timing is crucial. It is so, so important that race is won or lost in the passing of that baton. Because the race not, isn't necessarily won by the fastest team. Because you can be the fastest team, but if you don't pass the baton within that specified area, or if you drop the baton in that specified area, you'll lose the race. So it's not necessarily the fastest team. It's the one that passes the baton correctly. It's the passing of that baton. We learned last week from Pastor Danny how important it was for Moses to pass a baton to Joshua. It was crucial. It was important for the children of God. It was important for their destiny that Moses passed that baton onto Joshua. It was crucial. It had to take place. And we see many other examples in the Bible of the passing of this baton. We see it in King David. He had to pass that baton onto his son Solomon. Elijah passed the baton on to his disciple, Elisha. Jesus passed the baton on to his disciples. Paul passed the baton on to Timothy. And on and on and on. It was important. In our text for the sermon tonight, we see the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, his disciple. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 2. Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, you've heard me teach things 
that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He says, now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. See, it just wasn't enough just to run the race, as many of us are doing. I think I'd be safe to say the majority of us are running the race tonight. The majority of us here today are are living for God. We're doing it. But we also have to pass our mission on to the next generation. We just don't live our Christian lives unto ourselves. That's not what it's all about. We're also to pass on this information. We're also supposed to pass on this relationship. We're also supposed to pass on this lifestyle to others. Jesus' mission is always dependent on one generation of leaders handing the mission off to the next. It's always been like that. And those men and women that passed it on effectively, their churches are still thriving. Their ministries are still in existence. Those that were able to pass on this information, to pass on the relationship, to pass the baton responsibly. Now, church, 44 years later, it's our responsibility to pass it on. To pass it on. It's time. It's time. Second of all, I want to look at the process that is taught by Jesus throughout his time on earth. And in one word, that process is discipleship. Discipleship. We have to hand off this baton at the right time. And we have to do it well. But church, whether we like it or not, the fact is, is it has to be done. If you want to run the race, it has to be done. If you're in a relay race, you, you have to pass that baton. You just can't run and, and get to the next person and go, you know, I, I'm just going to keep on running. But you're supposed to pass it off to me. Yeah, I know. Maybe somewhere, just, just follow me. Somewhere over here, maybe when I get tired, I'll pass it off to you. That, that's not the way the race is won. That's not the way it's run, and that's not the way it's won. You have to pass it, whether you like it or not. I don't care how much glory you want or how good-looking you are or how you know, good-looking your legs are. That's why I don't wear shorts, just for the record. You've got to pass the baton. You have to. Jesus handed the baton to his disciples. And they ran a good race. Those disciples ran a good race. And they passed it on to the next generation. Timothy received this baton from Paul. And he was told by the Apostle Paul for him to pass it on to the next generation. Read this quote by George Bernard Bernard Shaw. Listen to what he says. He says, life is no brief candle to me. It is a sort of torch which I got a hold of for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. He says, I've got this torch. And before I hand it off, I want to make sure I get it shining as bright as possible. That is my responsibility, he says, to get this shining as bright as I possibly can before I pass it on. 
And church, that was our responsibility. Those of us that have been around for any amount of time, to get that torch to shine as bright as possible. When it was given to us, we had no direction as young kids. We didn't know what to do. We had a torch, we didn't know what to do with it. We had to learn. We had to learn. And we did everything we could through the Word of God, as the Word of God taught us, how to make that torch burn as bright as it possibly could, as bright as we could possibly make it. We learned, as Pastor Salazar was talking this Sunday, prayer was always, always, always foundational in our lives. First thing, prayer. And then as Pastor Richard mentioned again Sunday, the Word of God. Our minds were renewed, as the Bible said, through the washing of God's Word. Our minds, all of our minds needed to be washed. All of our minds needed to be renewed. We were all transformed by the Word of God. And it constantly needs to be transformed. Just because you get older doesn't mean that you've, you've passed all the tests. You know, when you get older, you have, man, you've got other battles you've got to fight. Just getting out of bed now is a battle. I never had that problem before. Now, now just, you know, just, just the simplest of things sometimes is a battle. It's a completely different lifestyle. We made that torch burn brightly through faithfulness. Through commitment. Young men and women, these are the things we're trying to teach to you. Faithfulness. Commitment. And sometimes I know you look at us and go, why is that so important? Because it's important to God. These aren't rules that we just made up as we went along the way. That's the word of God. These are things, these are the disciplines that Jesus taught us. Hard work. Hard work. We had full-time jobs. We had young families. We had church on Wednesday, Friday, and twice on Sunday. Not, not, not 9 and 11. I'm talking about 10 o'clock and then at 6 o'clock. You just had time to go home, have lunch, and get back. Street outreach. And everybody went to street outreach on Tuesday, right, Susie? We, all, we were all there. Everybody was there in street outreach on Tuesday. And then if you had any kind of a ministry, where there's a home Bible study, for us it was the band practice. We had practice on Thursday night and Saturday. And not for an hour and a half. I mean, we practiced until it was done right. Minimum of three hours, four hours. Hard work. We were dads and moms, husbands and wives, full-time jobs, commutes in the morning. But church attendance was always important to us. We never forsook the assembling of the saints. 
we were in church on Wednesday and Friday and twice on Sunday. This was the torch that we were carrying. We need to make sure that this torch was burning as bright as possible. And at that time, we didn't know why. We just knew it had to be bright, and we had to do the best we could. And so we had discipleships. And we had women's meetings. I didn't go to those, but <laughs> I heard they were not as good as the men's discipleships, but that's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> Pastor Danny's going to be preaching on that next month. How much better the men's discipleships are than the women's meetings. I'm sure he'll do a good job and explain it very well. We had conferences, as we do now. We needed to get this torch burning as bright as possible before we handed it off. Before we handed it off to others that will grab that torch and run with it, as we did. To grab that torch and do everything they possibly could to make it burn brighter and longer and stronger, to be more faithful than we were, to be more committed than we were, to be everything more than we were. So Jesus' ministry was focused on discipleship. His focus, his focus was to bring others along to minister, to bring others along to lead. In order to keep his ministry alive, he called 12 men to serve with him and to carry on what he had started here on earth. These 12 men were going to go on and, and carry on in his name. Maybe sometimes as a leader you think it's not your job to find a replacement. That's one of the things I learned from Pastor Salazar. As people come up and they go, you know, Pastor Richard, I, I think it's time for me to move on in my ministry. It's, you know, whether they're a leader or just involved in it, you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I think maybe I'll do something else. And he's always said this. He's always said, no problem. Just get somebody to replace you. Get somebody to replace you. And sometimes I've seen in men's eyes, I don't know how the women react, but I've, I've seen it in the men's eyes, and I can see them looking at them like, why is that my job? You're the pastor. You should be finding someone to replace me. Why should I do that? And the answer is very simple. If, if this was a job, then it would be the supervisor's job to replace you. If this was a job, then it would be the pastor's job to replace you. But this isn't a job. This is ministry. Yes, we are doing God's work. And the least we can do, the least we can do is to disciple somebody that, to come after us. If you think this is a job, that is a very shallow view of your Christianity shallow view. We are children of God, and we are to be examples. As Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We don't tell people, oh, follow them. Don't follow me. Maybe we should, but we don't. 
We are called into church ministry as just a job. But as a Christian and as a leader, every single one of us, we're Christians and we're leaders. And that's why we replace ourselves. That's discipleship. That's what discipleship is all about. Mature Christians, we should all be building up disciples, every single one of us, building up men and women to serve Christ, training them. And we train them either by word or by deed, by exampleship. They see what you are doing. And some of you may go, well, if I do that, then I've got a position that I really love, and I'm just going to work myself right out of a position. Then, then you don't understand the kingdom of God at all. Bible says that we are all members of the same body. We all have different functions. Some are hands and some are feet. Some are eyes and some are nose. And what's, what's exciting about the kingdom of God is you can go from one part of the body to the other part of the body. You've all done it. You've gone from one ministry to another ministry. We've all done it. And just because you're leaving that ministry doesn't mean, in fact, we encourage those that go, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to be an usher anymore. Okay, then, then get involved in something else immediately. Don't, don't just leave ushering. Get involved in, 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 in the new converts. Get involved in the home Bible study. Do something. Just, just don't be a hanging body part out there. It's kind of weird. Get involved in the body. Function. Do something. So you're not going to work yourself out of a job. You're just going to go to a different body part. We all do that. Men, some of you are husbands. At the same time, you're a dad. At the same time, you're an auto mechanic or a truck driver or, a, you know, a, a manager or something. We all have these different hats that we put on at different times. We're just not the same thing all day long. Same with you women. You're a wife. You're at one moment, then the next moment, you're a mother. Then at the next moment, you're, a, you know, a housekeeper, which I know you hate. You know, then you're a secretary. And what, what, I mean, we put all these different hats on. We can do the same thing in the kingdom of God. We're just constantly moving, constantly functioning. You're, gonna, you're gonna, not going to work yourself out of a position. You'll always be crucial. You'll always be important. Always. And third of all, I want to look at God's design. God provides design for our vision. God provides the design for the vision that he has given us. Mentioned King David earlier. God had put in King David's heart to build the temple. God wanted a great temple where the people can come and worship him. God gave David the plans. David had everything. But God at one point told King David, you're not going to build this. You are not going to build this temple. And he was brokenhearted. But nevertheless, he kept putting the design together. He got everything together. Prepared his son Solomon. David, without Solomon, had nothing more than a dream. David without his son Solomon, had nothing more than a dream. And Solomon, without his dad, had nothing more than unfulfilled destiny. They both needed each other to make this thing work. 
They both needed each other to build this temple. David needed his son Solomon, and Solomon needed his father David. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Verse 11 and 12. It says, then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the temple. Its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, and the place of atonement. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for the dedicated things. Look at verse 19 now. In verse 19, it says, In all this, David said, I have in writing from the hand of the Lord upon me, and he gave me understanding in all the details of the plan. David had the vision. David had the dream to build the temple. This was something God gave David. But Solomon had the destiny. God gave us, older ones, the vision. The vision of what New Harvest Christian Fellowship was going to become. What we had to accomplish. What we had to do. How to do it. The foundational things of this particular fellowship. Prayer, the word of God, faithfulness, commitment to the things of God. Character, integrity. He put it within our lives. He told us how to live. He gave us the vision. The young people, you guys have the destiny. You guys have the destiny. Solomon, the son, was going to build it. Not David. Solomon. But make no mistake, both were committed to God's design. Both of them were committed to what God had designed. It was crucial. It was important. Read this quote the other day. It says, when the young, when the young, full of strength and energy, joins forces with the elder, full of experience and wisdom. The results can be powerful and long-term. The young, full of strength and energy. I don't even remember what that is anymore. <laughs> or even what it looks like. When they join forces with the elder, full of experience and wisdom, and that I do know about. The results can be powerful and long-term. No generation stands independent of those that came before them or of those that follow. Generations overlap. Listen to this. Each generation is equipped with men and women created for that generation. Each generation is created for that particular generation. There are those of us that were created to accomplish what we needed to accomplish in our generation. And there are those of you that are here this evening 
that we're created to accomplish what God has called your generation to accomplish. We have to understand that the church's success is determined by its ability to survive and to be greater from generation to generation. As the worship team comes up tonight, David's lifelong dream and heart's desire became Solomon's intense passion. What David had was passed on to his son and his son grabbed a hold of that. Listen to what Solomon says. Solomon said these words in 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 5. Solomon says these words about his dad. He says, I intend therefore to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God as the Lord told my father David when he said, your son whom I will put on the throne in your place will build the temple for my name. Solomon was determined to do exactly what his dad told him to do. The temple took seven years to build. Seven years it took him to build that temple. But when he got through, it was a wonder of the world. Literally everybody from around the world, royalty, came to see the temple that Solomon had built. That David started, it was in David's mind, it was in David's heart. God gave the plans, gave everything to David. Gave all the materials, all the gold, all the silver, everything was there. And all of that was passed on to Solomon. And seven years later, the temple was done. It was built according to David's dream, God's design. Church God has placed peace of eternity in the hearts of all of us. Peace of eternity is in the hearts of every single one of us. And if we do our part, and if we successfully pass on the baton, then the next generation will be successful. And by doing that, if we can pass the baton successfully to the next generation, We keep God's work alive. We keep this church alive. Keep this fellowship alive. We can continue filling God's will and God's plan for my children, for my grandchildren, for your children, for your grandchildren, and theirs children's children. My grandchildren, my grandsons that come to this church, their wives may be sitting here. They're seven years old and nine or eight and ten or something like that. All I know is they make a lot of noise. Their destiny is here. It's right here. Here. And young men and women, it's your job. It's your job to grab that baton that we're tossing to you and keep building keep going forward. My grandchildren are depending upon you to do your job as they're depending upon us to pass it off properly. The timing is crucial. The timing is now. It's now. Every head bowed, every eye closed.